0: Welcome to the Treasure Coast Community Church podcast. TC3 Church is located in Stuart, Florida, and we're thankful that your listening journey has brought you to us. Our prayer is that everyone who tunes in connects the life-changing power of Jesus Christ in a real way. You will also discover, if you dig a little deeper, that TC3 is full of imperfect people who are simply striving daily to be more like Christ than they were the day before. The journey for us is about progress, not perfection. We pray that as you listen, you will be filled with hope, endurance, and joy as you experience life change. Enjoy today's message.
1: Good to be with you, TC Three. Uh, we are in our last week of rocky roads, and uh, hopefully, this one will be beneficial to you. So. I read an article this week, and it was talking about the plight of a man named Edward uh, Curry. And uh, he said, I was, uh, I, I, was, I was feeling the heat for three and a half hours, and he said, then the cramps came, and the cramps uh, were horrible. Uh, I laid down on the ground for about an hour, rolling around in pain and in the rain. And you're like, well, why? Uh, and the reason why is because Ed is a um, pepper expert. He is the one who invented the Carolina Reaper, and he had invented a new concoction called Pepper X. He's one of five people in the world that have tried Pepper X to this point, and he was feeling the the effects of it, and so they measure hot peppers by uh, heat units. And basically, a a regular jalapeno hot pepper is 5,000 heat units. Pepper X is almost 2.7 million heat units. And uh, pepper spray, just so you know, is 1.6 million heat units. Uh, Ed was feeling confident about 2.7 million heat units. Just so you know, bear spray is 2.2 million heat units. Pepper X is 2.7. So no wonder he's rolling around the ground and uh, having a tough time. It's because he'd weaponized the pepper. And when you think about that, you're like, well, why would, why would you do that? And that's a question you're gonna have to ask Ed. Um, but it led me to a bigger question. Why do we do the destructive things that, that we do? Uh, sometimes, uh, sometimes life hits us with some destructive things. And other times in life, we bring destructive things into our life. And sometimes there's this perfect storm that converges where both of those things happen at one time, where we're kind of reaping the rewards of decisions that we've made that were poor. And then also life just kind of hits us and uh, takes us down this ugly, ugly path for a period uh, of time. And so this one is about what to do when life seems to be unfair. Uh, Some of us feel as if right now it's like the whole world is against us, like things were not going well. And then it seems like every single day we wake up and then something else hits us and there's more to it. And we think that we've kind of come to the end of it all. And then another thing gets piled on. And it's a painful season of time for us, and we're just, we're in a season where we're just looking for hope. And uh, that may even be what brought you into this place uh, right now. And so we're going to be talking about what to do when life uh, is unfair. First of all, I think we need to come to this place of understanding that God is not unaware of any of our circumstances or our situations. He's very aware of what's going on in your life and in mine, the good uh, and the bad. And the psalmist came to this conclusion in Psalm chapter 11 where he said these words, and this is kind of what I want to be kind of center in our minds, is that the Lord still rules from heaven. The Lord still rules from heaven when things are going well in your world. The the Lord still rules in heaven when things are not going your way from your standpoint. The the Lord still rules when tragedy and trauma strikes our world. The, The Lord still rules from heaven And David's prayer, it still applies to us today where it's one of those classic prayers that he prays where there is this uh, request where he kind of starts out requesting and we've been praying this prayer. And then there is this declaration. And the request is, show me the right path, O Lord. Point out the road for me to follow. Lead me into your truth and teach me. That's the request. The declaration is, for you are the God who saves me. And then he says, and all day long, I put my hope in you. Come hell or high water, I put my hope in you. And when you look at King David's story, and I'm so thankful the Bible gives it to us the way it does, there are these ups and these downs where there were these massive highs in his life and there were these massive lows in his life. Some of the lows he created and some of the lows just came his way just like you and me. But there must have been times in his life, when you look at the highs and the lows, just like in our life, where he felt like life was unfair. At, at the point uh, David is in, when we talk about him today, he's in this state to where he's led really well. Like his leadership has flourished, and people have felt the effects of that, and he's led well. But he hasn't been a great dad. And he failed in an area that really matters the most. And so he must have been kind of scratching his head and living with a little bit of regret. Because when you dig into the, the details of David's household, he has one daughter who is brutally raped. He has a son who kills one of his other sons. And now he's in a time period where there is this insurrection that is being led to topple the kingdom. And his son is leading the insurrection. So you thought your family was a mess. Like we have this picture of a really messy family in David's world. Now David is fleeing for his life because Absalom is trying to take his throne. He must have had his head held low as he headed out of the city of Jerusalem. Jerusalem is called the city of David, so that even adds kind of more of a picture of of what David would have been feeling like. And then the king, as he's heading down this path, evacuating from the city, he runs into this man called Shimei. Shimei is someone who comes out hot. It says in the text of Scripture in 2 Samuel 16 that a man came out of the village cursing them. It was Shimei. He was from the same clan as Saul's family. That's talking about King Saul, the king that was before David. It says that he threw stones at the king and the king's officers and all of the mighty warriors, it said, who surrounded him. So David has this entourage of elite soldiers around him. He's got the seals surrounding him as he leaves leaves the city. Shimei is... uh, is a member of the former king's extended family. He meets the king on the road. The king is feeling terrible. His heart is heavy. And Shimei begins to curse at him, throw rocks at him, pick up dirt clods and throw them at the king while he's walking down this path, evacuating the city. He accuses him of murder and theft of a throne, and he shouts to the world that King David is reaping what he has sown. And so David is hearing this from this guy who's pacing him along the side of the road. And isn't that how it is in life sometimes, where things have gone from bad to worse, and just when you think they can't get any worse, they do, and that's what David is facing in this specific situation. He'd be be carrying the weight of a failed uh, father, he would be carrying the weight of the sin that he'd committed back in the day with Bathsheba, and every step is this painful reminder, and he's trying to really evaluate why what is happening is happening in his world. His head is hung low, and just when he thought it couldn't get any worse, it does, Most of us know who Rick Warren is. He pastored uh, Saddleback Church out in California. He wrote Purpose Driven Life, a book that has benefited uh, a lot of us greatly. And what most of us don't know is that he and his wife went through this dark valley that still hangs with them today. They had a son who suffered from depression. Depression got the worst of him, and he ended up taking his own life. And so you can imagine the pain and the grief that Rick and Kay Warren were walking with and when that was going on he tweeted this message to the world he said grieving is hard grieving as public figures harder grieving why haters while haters celebrate your pain is the hardest and that's what it can be like in life I has come out against David, he's saying, get out of here, you murderer, you scoundrel, the Lord's paying you back for all the bloodshed in Saul's clan, you stole his throne, and now the Lord has given it to your son Absalom, at last you're going to taste some of your own medicine, for you're a murderer, and then the message says it this way, look at you now, ruined, good riddance, you're a pathetic old man. And when you think about it, it really gives us a picture of how the devil can operate. The devil is really good at lying, and he's great at accusing. And we have this picture of a false narrative of this uh, angry stoner that comes against David. King David uh, is accused of taking Saul's life by Shimei. He's accused of stealing the throne. He's accused of killing Saul's attendants and his warriors. And then he says that the Lord has actually granted the throne to David's son. These are the lies that Shimei is bringing against David. The truth is, is that Saul actually fell in battle on his own sword. David had nothing to do with it. The truth is, is that David never, ever retaliated against Saul. David had the opportunity to take Saul's life on two specific occasions that we know about in the text of Scripture, and David never does that. He doesn't retaliate for Saul throwing spears at him. He doesn't retaliate for having to live on the run for over 10 years. He doesn't retaliate when David uh, has, or David does not, doesn't retaliate when, when Saul ruthlessly chases down David into the desert. And he had never, ever been an enemy of Saul. Shimei is being used by the enemy. And sometimes in life, the enemy will come in the forms of flesh. And they will perpetuate lies. They will tell us lies. They will tell people around us lies. And they will be used by the enemy. And that's exactly what's happening It talks about the nature and the character of the devil. In John 8, 44, it says that he was a murderer from the beginning, not holding at all to the truth. It says, matter of fact, that there's no truth in him at all. And when he lies, it says that he only speaks his his native tongue, for he's a liar and the father of lies. And the devil will lie, the devil will lie to us, and the devil will use other people to tell us lies. The devil is described in the book of Revelation as the accuser of the brothers and sisters who who accuses them before God. And get this part. Day and night, he's bringing accusations against you and I. Lies. Accusations. We've all heard them. You deserve what's going on in your life right now. You deserve death, nobody cares. What you're doing, it doesn't matter. You'll never amount to anything. Nobody loves you, how could anybody love you? How could you do anything for God after what you have done or what's been done to you? You're a terrible example. God doesn't love you, how could anyone love you? Those are the lies that the enemy has perpetuated into our minds and hearts and lives along the path. And the devil wants to destroy any work that God wants to do through you and through me. The devil is that voice on the shoulder that says you deserve everything that's coming to you. I told you this was gonna happen. The devil is that person who is waiting to celebrate when things go wrong in your life. And you need to understand this. Not everybody around you is going to go, that's so awesome that you're prospering. There are people that are around you right now that don't want you to win, that don't want you to succeed. And they're waiting for an opportunity for you to fail so they could say, I told you so. So they could capitalize on that pain and that anguish don't let him shake you. Don't let him stop the work that God wants to do in you. It says in 1 Peter, it says, be alert and be of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. And then it says, resist him standing firm in the faith. So he gives you two pathways. He's like, listen, stand firm in the faith. And then he says, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. So he's saying stand firm in the faith and stand firm with the community of faith. That's why it's so important to come into a room like this. Because you look around here and you see people have had their ups and downs in life, but yet they're still standing. By the grace of God, they're still standing you getting here, having that conversation in that lobby, encouraging someone along the way, having an encouraging word for the person sitting next to you, you just showing up is encouraging. You don't know this, but I love to watch people come into church. I love watching them in, come in, and, and part of the reason why I love to watch them come in is because I've walked with them for a while. Like when you've been somewhere over 21 years, like you have seen kids get born and dedicated and go off to college, which is absolutely terrifying that you're that old. But I watch people come in and I know their stories. I know how some of them have been by bedsides and they've watched their spouses die of some terminal disease, and the grace of God carried them through that with such eloquence that it could only be described as God's empowering power. And every time I see him show up, I'm encouraged by it. I watch people come into this church that have been prisoners to addiction, and by the grace of God, they're overcoming that, and they're being used by God in incredible ways and shapes and forms in all different areas of this community, and it's inspiring. I see people who have wrestled with EGRs in their own house, extra grace required kids. And you've survived, and you're surviving, and God's doing a work, and you keep showing up. And I've seen you come in, and you've know faced a variety of situations, and you've used your pain as your platform, you haven't let failures hold you back, and you're stepping into leadership positions, and you don't even know that just coming across the parking lot is inspiring. Don't let the enemy stomp out what God wants to do in your life. Don't you listen to the voice of the enemy who wants to kill, steal, and destroy everything that God wants to do in your life. Don't let adversity shake you. The devil will accuse. He'll bring condemnation, but Jesus came so that we would, we would know life and have it to the fullest as talked about in John chapter 10, verse number 10 where it says a thief comes only to kill, steal, and destroy, but I have come that you might have life and have it to the fullest. David's men, (laughs) they want to kill Shimei right on the spot. And you're like, uh, I'll speak for myself, I'm like, I like those guys. (laughs) Like they just want to come to his defense and they want to take care of this problem now. And they say words like, why should this dead dog curse my lord and king? Let me go over there, and they don't say deal with it. They're like, let me go over there and cut off his head. Like, they're ready to take care of business now and do it swiftly. And I ask the question, how would you respond? Which path would you take? Would you take the path of peace, or would you take the path of bloodshed? Abishai, who brings this up, he's one of David's mighty men. He's proven in battle. He's done some valiant things. He's tough, tough. He's loyal. He's the Rambo of David's day. I mean, he's ready to take care of business. And he's ready to fight. And what I would say is, when you and I are offended, let's not be quick to defend. Nothing good comes from reckless retaliation. And David is just wanting to avoid more bloodshed. He's beaten down. He just doesn't want to engage it. And David refuses to let his men kill him. No, The king said, who asked your opinion? If the Lord has told him to curse me, who are you to stop him? And so King David, even in despair, he chooses the pathway of peace. And then David said to Abishai and to all of his servants, my own son is trying to kill me. Doesn't this relative have more reason to do so? Leave him alone. Let him curse For the Lord has told him to do it, and perhaps the Lord will see that I am being wronged, and he'll bless me because of these curses today. And so David chooses the high road. When life is unfair, let's be known as the people who choose the high road. Let's be known as people who take the high path. Well, what does that mean to take the high road? King David doesn't retaliate when he has the ability to retaliate. That is taking the high road. Just like Jesus in the New Testament, when they brought false charges against him, the chief priests accused him of many things, it says in Mark chapter 15. But he answered nothing. Pilate then comes to talk to Jesus, and he's like, do you answer nothing? See how many things they testify against you? But Jesus still answered nothing. And you know what happened? There's a line there. Pilate marveled. He marveled that Jesus was walking in such peace and such trust and confidence in God that he didn't have to respond to his accusers. May we live by six little words. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Yes, it's six words. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. King David remembers that God is sovereign. He rules over all, that's what sovereign is. He rules over all. He's he's not just sovereign sometimes, he's sovereign all the time. He's not absent, he's not unaware of your plight or your situation, he's sovereign. And he still rules even when injustice creeps into our lives. And King David, he refuses to defend himself. Now think about this. David could have defended himself. He could have taken matters into his own hands. He's a skillful warrior. He's a giant killer. He could have taken matters into his own hands, but instead he takes the high road and he leaves justice in the hands of the perfect judge, judge who always judges perfectly. God isn't asleep. He sees what's happening in your world. He will respond he'll do what is right, he'll execute the right judgment, and he'll do it in the right timing. It's not your job and it's not my job to balance the scales of justice. Let's leave that job in the hands of the perfect judge. What does David do? He resumes his journey. Picture this, a powerful king with powerful men around him, able to respond and react, puts one foot in front of the other, head down, and keeps on moving. While Shimei throws stones and dirt clods and lifts up curses against him the whole way. When life is unfair, we take the high road. When life is unfair, we keep moving forward. That's exactly what David does. So, David and his men continued down the road, and Shimei kept pace with them on a nearby hillside, cursing and throwing stones. Can you imagine the scene? King David is still admired today by the Jewish people. The star of David is still on their flag. King David, at that time, is a household name, and when you're famous, you'll be a target. And when you're faithful to God, you get on the enemy's radar. When you're doing things for God, you become famous in the spiritual world because you're making a difference and there is a physical world and there is a spiritual world and you will get noticed and you'll get unwanted attention from the enemy. Keep moving forward. Keep being the parent that God has called you to be. Keep being the spouse that stands in the gap when it feels like everything is lost. Keep standing up for what God has called you to stand for. Keep speaking out. Keep loving. Keep on forgiving. You're making a difference. Listen, we can be derailed by opposition or we can become more determined because of opposition. May we choose the latter path. May we become more determined because of opposition. David Roper in A Burden Shared, he said these words. Criticism always comes when we least need it. Criticism seems to come when we least deserve it. And criticism comes from people who are least qualified to give it. And criticism frequently comes in a form that is least helpful to us. This is not helpful to David. And when criticism comes your way, And it's sent from the enemy, keep on moving. David's head is hung low, dirt clods are flying, rocks are hurting, but he keeps on moving. You think you had a bad day, walk a mile in David's sandals. When life is unfair, we choose the high road. When life is unfair, we keep on moving. And when life is unfair, we stay on the high road because many of us take the high road, but we just we find the exit ramp because the road gets too long. We have a picture of David on the high road and it's a lengthy high road. He gets weary and he gets tired. It says that they grew weary along the way. Shemi kept pace with them is what it says in the text of scripture. When the enemy and unfair circumstances seem to follow us, let's stay on the high road. Jesus knows what it's like to stay on the high road. He would do an incredible miracle and people would criticize him for it. He always had Pharisees and Sadducees looking for a word that he might say that is off or a little bit, little bit wrong or something that they could come against him with. And it says in Hebrews chapter four, we don't have a high priest who is unable to sympathize or empathize with our weaknesses. It says, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are And then it says these words, yet without sin. Listen, taking the high road is hard, but we need to be people who let the Lord defend us. David chose to let the Lord defend him. He says in Psalm chapter 11, he said, I trust in the Lord for protection. May we do the same. And then he asks this question. You know how it is a bit of a wandering road in the Psalms. He said, the foundations of law and order have collapsed. What can the righteous do? What should I do? Because justice doesn't seem to be prevalent. What should I do? But then he comes to this place of realization when you read through the Psalm. And this, this is what he says. But the Lord, he's in his temple. And the Lord still rules from heaven. When life is unfair, take the high road. When life is unfair, keep moving forward. When life is unfair, stay on the high road and let the Lord defend you. And I I was thinking about how do we wrap up a series like this. I think we do it with prayer. Because quite frankly, some of us, we're on that path. We're staying on the high road. We're continuing to move forward, but life is tough. And we're struggling and like, we can't explain it, like we don't, we don't get what's going on. Well, it says in Philippians that the peace of God transcends understanding. We don't get peace from understanding. The peace of God transcends understanding. God knows what he's doing. He's ruling in the heavens and he's got his eye on you. But some of us, we're weary. And we need the Holy Spirit to infuse us with supernatural strength. We need the Holy Spirit to give us the words to speak. We need the Holy Spirit to give us His timing in regards to how to respond to what's going on in our life right now. But if we're honest, like we really have a situation, and we need the Lord to help us. If that's you, I I just wanna pray with you. And I would dare say most of us in this place, we probably have an ongoing situation that's bigger than us, that's tiring, it's all-consuming, and we need the Lord to strengthen us to figure out how to get through what we're going through. So if that's you, would you just lift up your hand and just say, hey, Gordon, would you pray with me this morning? I got a situation that's a little bit taxing, and I need, I need God's help to help me get, good, good. You can put your hands down. If you, if you would just say, hey, that situation is sitting next to me, no, don't do that, that'd, that'd, be, bad. that'd be bad. That'd be bad, that'd be bad, that'd be bad, that'd be bad. Listen. Let's pray, and I believe that the Holy Spirit will empower you with everything you need to get through what you're going through. Father, I pray right now that you would strengthen your kids, that you would give them the staying power to be able to be who you've called them to be in the situation that they're in. I pray that you'd give them a peace that transcends understanding when people question why they're staying on the road. I pray that you'd give them the ability to forgive beyond understanding, I pray that you'd give them the ability to love beyond understanding. I pray that you'd give them the ability to stay in it beyond their understanding. I pray you'd give them wisdom in how to respond beyond their understanding. And I pray that your power and your peace and your strength would rest on your kids. And you would take care of them. And they would be able to say with confidence, as David said, I know that the Lord rules from the heavens. In your name we pray. Amen. God bless you
0: thank you for listening we understand that life is a journey and that the journey has many stages no matter what stage you're in tc3 is a place where you can plug in and be poured into so if you're looking for community we would love to connect with you start by hitting the subscribe button then click the connect link in today's episode this is your opportunity to join in on what god is doing at tc3 we are confident that he's just getting started with us and with you We look forward to sharing more of the path with you.